Welcome to the Profiling Criminal Minds In-Depth Breakdown Special, Part 2! I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And, uh, I'll be honest with you, we don't 100% know exactly how many parts this is going to be yet. That's not a discussion we've had. Uh, <laughs> well, we good reason. in the beginning we thought, oh, well, we'll have like two or three, but... <laughs> And then I, we decided after an hour and a half, we have to stop, right? Yeah, conservatively, I think it might be three. We were hoping at most to do it in two, but it looks like that might not happen. So uh, now we're going to follow up last time's addressing of some of, like, the major issues, like what the show is trying to say. And now we're going to follow up with, uh, you know, some of its its themes. Now we're going to talk about one of its uh, other themes which is a lack of uh, or complete inability to deal with systemic social issues. Yeah. Yeah. I think, isn't that funny? That's exactly it. It goes along with the cult of individual personal, personal responsibility. Yeah. 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 And if people aren't familiar with the, the term, the cult of personal responsibility, it's uh, something that we have to talk about more and more these days, especially if you live in North America, because there's this idea, you know, pushed by libertarians and Republicans largely, that everything is under your control. And if something goes on uh, wrong in your life, it's your fault. And they say anyone who points out the flaws in that logic is weak-minded and just didn't work hard enough. It's, it's a very cruel way of looking at the world that has been completely normalized uh, by American, I want to say intelligentsia, but I don't think there is such a thing as right-wing intelligentsia. I think that well, died with, uh, I think that died with William F. Buckley. Yeah, I would say, yeah, William F. Buckley died and... That no was it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you say George Will, and he does seem like a pretty smart guy, but he said a lot of stupid things for a very long time to prop up his right-wing beliefs. And now, he's barely right-wing anymore, because he's smart enough to have seen where being right-wing in America has led. It has yeah. led to disaster for both America and the whole world. Yeah, it's 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 a big problem. I mean, they... People don't understand uh, just how big a problem some of those ideas were. And a lot of it came came from this horrible person called Ayn Rand. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, I still, you, you just kind of, uh, that woman, that woman was an intelligentsia version of Donald Trump. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to call her. It's just like this bizarre, she was, you know. Anyway, well, and that's the uh, thing, it's she used the language of academia to make these incredibly, like, these absolutely crazy statements sound good to people, to the point where, like, there's a famous thing where Mike Wallace just spent an interview, like, an hour interviewing this woman on primetime television so she could talk about how the best thing in life is to be completely selfish and only do things for yourself and screw everybody else. Like, how on earth is this worth putting on the news? But they did it, you know, because well, she was a but, prominent conservative thinker. Yeah, and the problem was is that she had the ear of those who were in the political 
sphere of yeah. Ronald Reagan. That whole period. That's true. Yeah. They would Al- go to her think tank. She had, Alan they Greenspan were was her disciple. You know, you, so you, yeah. I mean, there's lots of pictures. I have the book upstairs called Goddess of the Market. It's, it's yeah. actually anybody who's interested. It's a really good book about Ayn Rand. Yeah, I can so, confirm that. It's fascinating. Yeah, Goddess of the Market. So, anyway. <laughs> well, they, yeah, like it, it infected their thought. But the problem is there's no substance to her beliefs. Like, she had all of these, and that's what Goddess of the Market like really does a great job of laying out for you is she had this horrific upbringing when everybody she knew and loved got murdered by the Soviets. Yeah. Or lost everything. Or, yeah. Lo- or they lost all their money and were killed by the Soviets when the Soviets took over from Tsarist Russia, right? Her family was, you know, middle to upper class and they're one of the people that lost oh. everything. So she but decided they were more than that. <laughs> they, were, right. they were doing well for her, themselves. Her father was a pharmacist, but he also treated like was involved with the czar, like he was the yeah. czar. So I mean, it 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 was, he was really went circle. from a really a really good upper middle class. Yeah, you know, verging on the next level, which yeah. you they, can't they weren't do landed to... gentry because you would have to be in the family, the ruling family, to be on that next level. Yeah, but yeah. They, they were, and then they lost everything and basically had to, you know, sort of really? live in a two-bedroom apartment or whatever. And then they fled uh, to America. No, je, no, they oh, sent just, her to just America. Her, yes. Yeah, no, the whole family didn't go, but they sent her to, and she ended up in Chicago. So, yeah. um, and she was very depressed and she tried her hand at filmmaking. She went to Hollywood and stories and then she wrote those novels and then she started to write philosophy i mean she was well read and the rest of it but oh, yeah. she was just consistently um consistently fighting um i mean she was she was a cold war war warrior a soviet warrior <laughs> anti-soviet warrior before oh yeah you know before other people were she hated them well yeah she hated them with a passion but it was because of her family and it's it's the same thing people don't want to deal with the fact that there are certain things from your life and things that happen to you in your life that color or affect however you want to say it Mm -hmm. what it is that you think, and if you don't have, or you refuse to have, because she was smart enough, one could have a level of self-awareness, you refuse to entertain self-awareness, and that's what I would say people like Donald Trump could become self-aware, but that would mean he would have to go back and, and rip apart everything that he's ever believed all his life. Well, he's not going to do that. No, he's a and, he's a seventy five year old man. He's not going to go into intensive psychotherapy. Well, you know there are people that go into it late, and and yeah. and and I got so pissed off at John Berman this morning and his ageism that um um uh, yes, I'm I, I'm I'm going to take offense at ageism. <laughs> but what did he say? Oh no, no, he said something. They were saying something about so what's. Donald Trump going to do have his have his rallies over Zoom or something and oh in case you're wondering we're recording this it's the far oh. in the future you all know how this turned this election turned out but we're recording this the day after we all found out Donald Trump has no. COVID no no the day because no, I no, was it, it broke people. last night it is well, the next day 
I'm not so sure how many people because it broke last night that Hope I'm Hicks... saying factually at 10, 11 o'clock last night, he put out a tweet that yeah. said, I have COVID and I'm self-identifying and it's the next day. Yes, it's less than 24 hours. Yes. You were correct that it is less than 24 <laughs> hours, but it's still the next day. Okay. So it's October 2nd that we're doing <laughs> Exactly. This. And we had to decide whether or not to do this because we're going to, of course, have our a quarantine special tomorrow. Yeah. Which... So we're, well, if you want to hear us talk about that, go to the past, I guess. Yes. When we go did that. And look at October the 3rd, 2020's quarantine yeah. special podcast. Uh, it's and we'll fourth, talk about yes. that. Uh, that's but where it... we're going to be talking about this at length. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, the... Um, the thing that I find so fascinating, right, about the ideas of her, like, her ideas is that it's this weird situation where an academic started from the conclusion that she was right about everything. Like, that she alone had the secret for how all of life should operate. And then she worked backwards to try and rationalize from the starting point that I'm right about everything. To the point where she thought, and this part is true, it is a moral good to smoke cigarettes. Oh, yeah, that like was it so is funny. It is objectively a positive thing to smoke cigarettes because um, ancient cavemen, like, they moved from being, you know, desperate scramblers by learning to make fire. And holding a cigarette means that you control fire. So... <laughs> From an evolutionary psychology standpoint, it proves to ourselves that we are evolved, that we smoke cigarettes. She actually, I mean, she actually said that. That was her position. On There's a whole bunch of weird things. We're, I, I, we need to stop about it. We could do a whole podcast. Just, just about her madness. The yeah, crazy, but... Except that I still haven't read The Fountainhead because I can't and I still don't want to. No, and you made movies of these these things, and I mean, it it is a vicious attitude that oh, she yeah. had towards sex, towards everything. So, oh. okay, let's. Oh, let's... and can I just say? I want to say okay. one last thing though, and then we will move okay. on to the systemic stuff. Uh, but it's important to remember that, like, if you want to understand America's obsession with this, look at their right wing's love of Ayn Rand, and remember that they want to live in a world where they, where again, everyone is completely responsible for their own state. That is why the ridiculous, um, pull your own, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps statement has a, you know, is kind of huge in America. Now, so here's two facts about that that you'll want to know. One, the term pull yourself up by your own bootstraps was originally coined by someone as a description of something that's impossible to do. So, <laughs> it's literally impossible to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Try it. Bend down, grab your own bootstraps, and now try to lift yourself off the ground. You will find that it's impossible. And that is what the term is supposed to mean. So, there is no such thing as pulling your up by your own boot bootstraps. If there's not someone above you helping you up, you will never rise up. That's what the saying actually means, and it's come to mean the opposite, because America's perverse. Likewise, the term meritocracy, the idea that a so uh, society is naturally sorts itself so the people with the most value to it end up on top, was also coined by a satirist to describe how conservatives pretend the world works. 
So that's that's what you have to keep in mind. When we go into this, we have we're going to talk a lot about how everything is broken and Criminal Minds is representative of the kinds of organizations who want to put a Band-Aid on and pretend that's not true. And that's going to sound pretty arrogant of us to say, but just FYI, all of the numbers are on our side here. It's going to sound pretty harsh, but all of the facts are on our side. And all conservatives have is a weird fantasy about how they imagine the world should work. All right. So that is the breakoff point. Now let's talk about the fact that in the world of criminal minds, there's no such thing as racism. Yeah, no systemic social issues whatsoever in the <laughs> world. Criminal minds. Yeah. Now, I and in fact, it's almost, you know, as they say, uh, first of all, yeah, almost never do they acknowledge that it exists. I, it, and you go, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're kind of, kind of thinking about that. And you say, well, don't you decide that, that you have racism because, you know, when you don't have, isn't it racist if you don't have um, black people on the show, for example? Yeah. Um, and, or, or Hispanic people or anything like that. And that would make it racist. Why would you say this? And I'm going, yeah, well, let's take a look at your four people. <laughs> because somebody did say it, something about that, right? So what have you got? You've got two biracial men. Yep. Derek's mother is white. Father was black. Matt, whose Korean father mother, was... father white. Yeah. And then you have Stephen, who lasted one year. Lasted <laughs> 11 episodes. 11 episodes. And then you have Tara Lewis, who they ignore. Yeah. So, who uh, and... is, is also biracial, famously. And, like, uh, we learn nothing about her mother at all we learn that her mother died that's it we learn nothing about her and as you say the character is ignored to the point and given no development to the point where her race is completely irrelevant completely and totally irrelevant doesn't even never come yeah (laughs) no and then you have the one nice hispanic man who came in near the end (laughs) (laughs) and you have luke who is cartoonishly like just like matt simmons is like cartoonishly positive in every way yes matt and matt and luke are just these really really nice wonderful guys yes they've got a few little things but basically they're these really nice and if you want to see it's it's quite clear that luke is Derek if he had nothing wrong in his life and -hmm. was just a perfect person and matt is uh, Matt is Hotch if he had nothing wrong in his life and is just a perfect person. Yeah, and I mean, well, Matt, I mean, the only time you see anything with Matt, you would have had to have watched Beyond Borders. Oh, yeah. Right, where you see some of some of the issues he, yeah, well, he had. Right. He does have some <laughs> issues dealing with not have, being in touch with his the Korean side of his family. Yeah, and but even there, of course, they make it perfectly clear that the problem was that not in America. The problem was on the Koreans South Korea. were the racist ones. The, the South Koreans were the racist ones because they kicked her out because she married Matt. Yeah, Matt's father. 
Yeah. And yeah. so he get, finally goes and meets his grandmother in Beyond Borders. But that would mean you would have to watch Beyond Borders. And Which we're not we can't encourage that. anyone to do. No, we, we, we are not encouraging anyone. It is interesting, though, that like uh racism causing relate like family drama and relationship problems is another thing that beyond borders is like well that's something that happens in other countries yes and yes there is a huge amount of uh racism in asia like i'm not saying that's wrong they are hugely racist like a lot of them in korea are hugely racist against non-koreans you know, hugely well, racist against Chinese and Japanese people, not to mention non-Asian people. So yes. it's not like that's not based on anything, but it's no. weird to acknowledge it about another country while being completely incapable of acknowledging it about America. And as they say, you can never move to Japan and become Japanese. No, of course not. Can't happen. <laughs> because and they will never happen. accept you. No, you're like, not. Yeah. You know, a Japanese person can move to Canada and live here 20 years and be fully thought of as Canadian in every way. Yeah, except by our, our stupid right wing well, now. Yes, but, but there's a couple of crazy... There are... Yeah, I mean, but, look at David Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, our hero. Exactly. exactly. Like, I mean, no one feels more Canadian than David Suzuki. If you're not familiar with David Suzuki because you're not Canadian, he's a, he's a, um, a scientist who deals entirely with the natural world, and he has been... Uh, he's essentially our David Attenborough. Is that fair to say? Yeah. He's and, been making uh, documentaries about nature more. forever. He's been on, he was on our television screen once a week for years. Oh God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Doing, doing his they nature. He had a show called The Nature of Things. Yes. And so he would explain science. He does, he would explain different things and he would do documentaries. And he, of course, he's a big climate change activist. Oh, yeah. um, and he can, I mean, and it's not like his family. His family was was Japanese, but they ended up being interned. Yep, he to, was it during the war. Yeah, the, uh, during the Second World War when he was little. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's not like he has had. But they've talked about that. And um, but to get back, yeah, I mean, racism racism exists in every country in the freaking world. Yep. Right. So, and there so are always now, in groups and out groups. Okay, and social, social, systemic social theorists tend to focus on white racism. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But, and I, you know, okay, and yes, and you've got a little few blinkers floating around <laughs> in your eye. You know, I mean, it's, and, and yes, it's because sort of Europe was predominant in the world. And yeah. that's why that is the most obvious and the biggest. The problem with criminal minds is that it doesn't exist apparently yeah. like nobody has on the show has any problems i don't think any of them i'm like i keep in my head keep trying to find some example because even Derek, like there was no problem with his mother and his father that you can figure nope you know there his sisters didn't seem to have had any problem there was nothing you know and so you're sort of sitting there going, okay, can you give me an example of any of them having to deal, first of all, with our characters having to deal with any kind of racism? Or prejudice in any way. So it's a definite zero, never for Matt, never for Luke, 
yes for Derek. Derek is the center point of a couple of very special episodes. Um, again, uh, oh. Strange Fruit. I mean, even he doesn't actually. Strange Fruit is not... about the issue, but Derek's not involved in that. So yeah, no, um, it's Strange Fruit is the only time it come it they, they talk America's about it. History of violent race racial oppression comes yeah. up at all. Um, Derek has a lot to do when it gets talked about in the episode with the wreckers, you know, like the, the poor white guys who just go around murdering people in the gentrifying area. Yeah. So that, cause at first they think it might be a racial thing, but then they dismiss that right away. And Derek does have a lot to say in that episode, not a ton. And then there's the episode loosely bla based on the Atlanta child killings where, um, Derek is there and the cop uh like and all of them are there and the black cop he's partnered with gets shot because people see a black guy creeping around the side of their house and shoot them in self-defense because they know that there's a serial killer running around who's black. But that's basically it for yeah, three hundred plus episodes. Okay, anything happened to them? No, and then there's there's how when Jarek was a child, right, the cop thought he was he was just a bad kid. But if he had understood what this evil child preacher was doing, child molesting yeah. priest had been doing, or no, Not priest, coach. reverend, reverend and or, coach, yeah, and coach had been doing well, then he would have understood it better. But yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, so you see some, yeah, you're right, you see some of it around Derek, and that's that's just about it, and they are very, very, very specific. You see some. In that first season in the um, in Arizona, yes, Arizona, right, or New Mexico, I think it's yeah. in Arizona where they want to, uh, where all of these kids get killed, and they and you know, oh well, they're killed in the way that natives used to kill people, so it must be, you know, some sort of a, a native tribe going crazy murdering people over yeah. these development things over the development. It turns on their out, land. of course, it's a crazy white guy who's yeah. running a cult. Yeah. And wants to start a race war between uh, yeah, it's Charles Manson, Indians, Indians, and white folks. Yeah, it's basically just a rehash of Charles Manson, but with Indians instead of uh, black people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what's going on in that storyline. But even there, like that's as you we often talk about that episode because it's like the one episode that really digs into the fact that there's reasons not to trust the FBI. The FBI are not blameless in America's history, and they're not blameless in their recommendation, uh, sorry, recommendation, their reputation being the way it is. Like, the FBI has done some stuff that needs to be called out, and that was almost the only time they ever talked yeah. about that. Yeah, and as I said, and as we talked about in the last episode, you know, they kind of slide over Pine Ridge. Ruby Ridge. Ruby, no, Pine oh, Ridge. Oh, no, Pine Ridge. Sorry, there's... Oglala. Oh, the Ogo, yes. No, but I mean, those are the two things they talk. I got confused because we also talked about Ruby Ridge last time. Yeah. But yeah, but we, I, I, I think of Wounded Knee. I never think of the place as Pine Ridge. I only think of it as Wounded yeah. Knee. But it's the same story. Yeah. Pine right. Ridge is the overall area. Wounded Knee was where the shooting happened. Yeah. And what happens in, in that one, right? It's it, it's that was such a messy situation, but they they just slide over it. Oh, yeah. They right. Just gloss um, right past that. So, you know, you're, you're kind of left with, well, so yeah, there's a few things here, 
yeah, you know, so you've got a few things, but overall, yeah, nothing not really, really a problem. But yeah, what it is, it's not a problem. It's not systemic. You don't really deal. It's an individual. These are all individual cases. Nobody brings up any kind of a systemic issue. Well, they all get along perfectly well. There's absolutely no problem within the FBI. Nope. Um, there's no problem for people like um, David Rossi. Um, there's no no problem for any of them. They're yeah, all again literally a um, <laughs> an Italian guy from Boston who grew up in the '60s. Like is has no racial baggage whatsoever, except for he remembers one time he did a bad thing in high school, locking a kid in a locker because he was black and everybody was bullying him. But he was uncomfortable about it at the time and just wasn't brave enough to stand up to it. Yeah, and that's it, right? And that's it. That's as bad as any of the characters get for racial issues in the entire run and of talk, the show. Yeah, in, and in talking about it, and of course, and he's of course he he. Ha- you know, and and even then you'll have to go back and listen to when we talk about that episode, because it was it was very confusing in some ways. And, you know, and David just says, yeah, well, I still feel bad about it. But yeah. And and it brings up a whole bunch of issues like things in the past. Versus the now and this was the now and the impression you get, basically, if you think about um, criminal minds as a whole. Um, there are very few racist issues. No. Yeah. It just, well, I think a perfect example of it is the, um, the Atlanta child murder episode, right? Yeah. In that episode, as I said, we get an insane premise, which is like the cops are accidentally getting shot by homeowners. Like that's a big problem in America. And homeowners. something the cops are in danger of a, a homeowner, a well-meaning homeowner accidentally shooting a cop. Whereas the real threat in America is cops shooting black people for no reason. Well, yes. And then the homeowner who wants to defend his home, he's yeah. is black and then ends up in jail. Oh, no, he's white. He is white. No, no. Brianna's. Brianna's, oh, you mean in real life? You mean in, in real, real life? life I'm yeah, Brianna's, Brianna's yeah, Brianna's um, boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah, ugh. Although he is not they going arrest- to jail. No, he, he didn't is- go to jail. They arrested him, though. Yeah, first defending himself. But yeah, I mean, yeah, in, that, in all- that time, in his own, yeah, in her, he was living with her, but it's her apartment yeah. on the lease. But yes, like in his own home, essentially. They kicked down the door. He quite reasonably fired at them. He called 911. I know. I know. When they were trying to kick down the door, he called 911. Yeah. I, I, did they identify themselves as cops? If they had, he probably wouldn't have called 911. No, because, yes. Anyway, we're not going to talk the about episode, that. That's no, we're not going to talk show. about that here. No. That's a Sunday conversation, right? No, yeah, but, but I mean, that's... in this show, it's it's relevant because yeah. a much more believable thing to happen in that episode, much more true to real life type of situation, would be the cops hearing that there's a black guy running around killing people and getting trigger happy and just shooting a guy in front of his own house. Yeah. But instead, they create this insane situation where a cop is going to get shot by a homeowner and it's all just a misunderstanding. And it has to be a really nice black cop. Oh, yeah, of course. 
you know, with a family. With a family. And Derek never visits again. Of course. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm Derek is awesome. really good at evading his responsibilities. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Eric Close's daughter, who they, re you know, completely rebuilt the show so he wouldn't have to look after her. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting that you never get really hints of racism. I, here is the closest other time dealing with racism, which is the the Donald Trump episode. Yeah. Right. The episode about the guy oh, who's having his who's having that kid murder people and frame Hispanics for it. So he can yeah. say there's so much Hispanic crime. You should put Donald Trump uh, into office. Yeah, the yeah the Donald Trump character analog. Office. Yeah, I mean yeah, we call him a Donald Trump. Character, the real obviously. estate developer. Yeah, the real estate developer. Exactly, uh, the Donald Trump Trump style racist real estate developer. Uh, you know he he's running for office and he needs there to be X amount of violence by uh, Hispanic people to justify his racist fear mongering. So he has a guy murdering whole families to get that done. Yeah, and that is the only other time. And even then, right. We're not addressing the fact that, like, the show isn't about how all of Southern California, all of white suburban Southern California is ready to believe these lies about Hispanic people because they're racist. It's just an episode about a crazy kid being manipulated by an evil man. And it creates the myth that racism is just, you know, that racism is restrict restricted to the machiavellian actions of super evil men and it's not the opinions all of those people in the community hold based on their own prejudices every day yeah and it never see this is the thing they will comment and other things but it never comes up no nothing of the things that we're talking about really come up not even really with Derek. the closest is as i said with that cop mm -hmm. in chicago where Derek grew up yeah saying if I had known, like it changes his whole mindset once he understands what had happened to Derek when Derek was a child. Yeah. But and that and that there were a whole bunch of them, not just one, but a whole mm -hmm. bunch of them that he treated badly because they were black. Now, the question is, he was he was the cop in that area. But the question is never asked. Right. OK, if he had been a cop in a poor white area would he have done the same thing yeah well and especially when you consider never answered no and especially when you consider that derek i mean i know a little about how cops uh, operate you kind of think that derek would get preferential treatment given that his dad a was cop. a murdered cop yeah his dad was a murdered cop like they tend to look out for the kids of murdered cops don't they yeah and you can't you can't imagine why that didn't always factor in and why yeah. he didn't get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, almost all the time. Yeah. His okay. dad, a black cop. Now, mind you, it was, well, no, but it was still, what, the 80s? It was the 80s. It's not like it was the 60s. No, it wasn't like it was the 60s where there were hardly any black cops. Yeah, right. And the thing is, I, I was going to say, uh, the other thing about the Eric Close situation, which I always joke about, Right. Is I think on some level, Derek uh, modeled his terrible behavior about not taking responsibility based on what happened with him. Because I got to say, um, I, I joke about how it's like he went to a thing honoring his dad's old partner. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and he made the entire thing about his dad. Yeah. Great speech there, Derek. Uh, But thinking about that in retrospect, I think it's neat. It's to wrap your head around. He didn't seem particularly close to his dad's old partner. Yeah. So it kind of suggests that after his dad died, his partner didn't look after his family the way you think under, you know, the cop code, the ideal cop code, he should have been. And so maybe Derek came by that uh, neglecting his responsibilities, honestly. Yeah. Because that's what was modeled for him. Yeah. But but yeah, like, America, and I mean, I know that America is getting, I mean, I say getting woke. Half of America is learning about, uh, half of America is learning about America's horrific history of institutional racism, and half of them can't wait for America to break out patriotic education. You know? Yeah, yeah. The most Orwellian concept. Yeah, yeah. Racism never existed. Slavery never existed. The Civil War was fought over states' rights. They were more volunteers than slaves. They could have stopped working and gone home at any time. But it was better for black people in America, so they stayed. There are people who will tell you that as fact. I know. And you laugh. That's tomorrow's conversation again. <laughs> I know, right? No, but it's, keep, it's but, worth but, mentioning that it's yeah. like all of this has been part of history. And it's weird looking at criminal minds now through yeah. this lens of what's going on in, you know, policing and the incredible role that race plays in policing. And to see a show do 300 episodes about policing that either never touches on that or touches on it one percent of the time it it is it is truly amazing it doesn't matter that it's about serial killers no and there are a few very few black serial killers so it's true um yeah it it is uh it is strange um and particularly it's not again like we're not looking at a show that was made in the 80s or the 70s or even the early 90s. Yeah. When the ideas of systemic racism, like in the 80s and the 90s, were still... Um, Basically just being be, developed we're academically. Very academically. Yeah. We're, we're still very academic. Yeah. Okay? And I, because I can remember, I can remember going to a AAR, an American Academy of Religion, and this would have been in, had to have been either the late 80s or the early 90s. Okay. And so they're talking. So the big discussion in this, the one thing that I went to that I yeah. kind of blew my stack at, you know, <laughs> I, I was academia and I don't always get along. Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I nicely blew my stack. I didn't scream and holler, but I nicely said the things that I needed to say. So what they wanted, what they, what the conversation was about, it was pedagogy and, and, and about how the need to introduce American uh, black Christian spirituality into the courses that, that those had to be part of our intro to sort of American Christianity courses. Yes. Well, you know, and people were complaining about we have to do so much already and we have to deal with all of these feminist issues and stuff like that. And how are you (laughs) ever going to integrate black spirituality into it? And I'm just sort of sitting there shaking my head. (laughs) 
<laughs> and coming up, right? And we, we broke into groups and I'm talking. And then finally, this one woman looks at me and says, you know, she says, you must be a really good teacher. <laughs> you can t- integrate all that stuff. I said, yeah, but you have to actually believe it's valuable. Well, and I think it part has, of the thing is, much. here's it's, how crazily blinkered those oh. people are. Like, introducing, like, the black church, the black American church is one of the most interesting parts of Christianity. Because Christianity, as written, was a religion for the slaves and the oppressed. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's, that's what it was written as. Uh, it was written... I mean, the the origin story of Judaism is their time as slaves, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you move that forward, the origin of Christianity is Jews being oppressed by the Romans. That's, and, that well, is the milieu and, in which Christianity yeah. comes up. And, of course, being oppressed by the religious establishment of the rabbis. Yeah, and, well, yeah, and the Pharisees, the, uh, yeah, the because they, at that point, still had a hierarchical religious system around the temple, which yeah. is why, of course, you have that paraclete of Jesus, you know, going in and just trashing the money changers in front of the temple. Yep. You know, um, and, and talking about, you know, how they are, you know, how anybody in Christianity in, in the United States thinks that it's okay to be a Christian to make money. And you have that and, and to just hoard your money to yourself. Why do you think Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie gave all his money away? Why do you think these early guys who made their money, they still had white Christian, they didn't have white Christian guilt. They just had Christian guilt and you couldn't hang on to this money. If you had this money, you had to do something with it. Yep. Like you weren't allowed to just become rich. And you weren't and allowed to just dig a hole and put your money in the hole, which is what yeah. all the rich people in America do I mean, now. Ultimately, even John F. Kennedy's father, there yep. was still that Catholic Christian guilt. You know, you so you have to do something. Now, yes, part of it was he wanted to become, you know, part of the ruling elite. There's no question. There's all of those factors go into it. Yeah. But at the same time, you I mean, there is a reason why Robert Kennedy was seen as the savior, the yeah. potential savior. Um, not so much John, um, no. but Robert. <laughs> After Martin Luther King died, mm-hmm. he was he was the next go-to guy. Oh, yeah. And, um, so, yeah. And, you know, so what you've got is this bizarre Christianity in the United States these days. That and is that's why the... Different. Yeah, and that's why the, the black church is so fascinating, because yeah. it was a church for the oppressed. Like, and I mean, that you read the Bible, it's a book for the oppressed. It's a book for the downtrodden. Spoiler yeah. alert, that's you why delusional, to- that is why delusional American right-wing Christians are constantly playing the victim. Because their holy book is a book for the oppressed, and they cannot reconcile the fact that they are now the oppressors. And they're still using the same book. That's why most Christians in America don't read the Bible. And are, in fact, discouraged from reading the Bible. Well, no, they read a version of it that has <laughs> yes. been fixed up. A heavily edited version <laughs> and of it the is, Bible. It is, fa- it is fascinating, the things I have been asked. And I'm just going, oh, dear. Okay, that's a whole podcast in itself, you know? But the fact is, uh, the, the, yeah. sla- like the church, the black American church, right, that grew out of the southern slave church, which yeah. is, you know, 
is in fact like the closest modern thing at least in North America to the original experience of Christians under the Pharisees and under Roman occupation. Yeah. These are people who had no control of their lives coming to terms with God, the, a God that could put him in that situation and finding a way to be joyful at the same time. And that's what the black church is all about. And that's where liberation theology comes in, which is taking the Bible and saying it is about breaking chains and throwing off oppression, which it is. Yes. And but, then, and then as I, I, I was always, whenever anybody talked about liberation theology, right. Yeah. There's, there's me. I just can't go. Yeah. But what happens when the oppressed become the oppressors? Exactly. Well, that's when the they get, problem. when they get rule, right. They end up, but that, that's a, uh, again, and that's why American Christians like white evangelical Christianity is so pissed at evangel, uh, that so pissed at liberation theology because if liberation theology is true, then all of you guys in your mega churches are the new Pharisees. Yeah, You're and they the are bad guys. They, in the are. they are. They obviously are, <laughs> they but obviously they don't want to hear that they're the bad guys in the Bible now. Yeah, they've they've they've, they've let it go, and this, yeah. it, it's an interesting fan. I mean, as you know, as people who listen to us know, I mean, I do watch CNN, and sometimes and it's interesting to listen to people like van jones and and of course then don lemon at night right all of these they all have this you know this this as they say black church now there are catholic blacks as well because what happened of course the slaves took on the religion of their owners and there were lots of roman catholics in the south and a lot of people don't realize that because they just sort of think of black Christianity as sort of Baptisty. Yeah. Um, but okay, here's a fun fact: uh, the there's a whole town. There is an entire town and most of a county in Louisiana where all of the black people are Catholic, mm-hmm. and it's because, and this is a true fact, that whole area are the descendants. Of the time Notre Dame had to sell all of its slaves to stay alive. <laughs> so, to, like, 2,000 black Catholics yeah. were just shipped down to Louisiana. Yeah, they just found this out. It was fascinating. Like, they found this out a couple of years ago. That's like, why are we all Catholic? Why do so many of us have weird last names? Like... What is the origin of this? And they looked into it. It's like, oh, they were the slaves sold by Notre Dame to save the school. Like, literally, the school was out of money. It had to sell all of its slaves to survive, or there wouldn't be a Notre Dame. So, they yeah. ended up in... Oh, sorry, I said Notre Dame. It's not Notre Dame. God damn it. It's, um, it's the one in Chicago. Uh, oh, this is very embarrassing. It's the giant Catholic college in Chicago. I'm sorry, I should have been saying it was Notre Dame. But anyway, no, they no, ended up talk, in Louisiana. You're talking, about, you're talking about the one that uh, Barrett teaches yes. at. Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, yeah, that is Notre Dame. What am I saying? No. Anyway, the point is, whichever university it was, <laughs> it was a Northern Catholic university. They owned a ton of slaves, and they sold them to plantation owners in Louisiana. And that is how you ended up with this giant part of Louisiana that is like super Catholic and has weird last names. Yeah. And they fit and you sent them down there because Louisiana was predominantly Catholic, Spanish and French. Oh, yes. So, you know, so it would have been predominantly Catholic and that would be a good place to send good Catholic slaves. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I mean, the history, all these these different 
things about history that revolve around slavery. You don't, yes, it is a stain. And as Abraham Lincoln said, this is the price we are paying. This is the blood God demands for the sin of slavery. And, yeah. and it is, as, as I said, okay, but you can get over that. But to get back to criminal minds, yeah, of course, I can tell That's you all the podcasts do. we could do to get back to criminal minds. You wouldn't think that there was such a thing. No. And that's the thing. You, like, the in, legacy in of slavery, slavery permeates every part of America's culture, right? Um, You know, unless people are actively trying to not tell that story. And that's what Criminal Minds is doing. Actively yeah. trying to not tell that story. That's why the episode Strange Fruit Strange is fruit. such an aberration. Yeah. Because it's and it the only—it's the only real thing they've ever said about racism in America. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was such a brilliant story. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, it—it it, uh, certainly deserved deserved uh, an Emmy for that one. Oh yeah, it's—it's um, it's one of their best at least episodes. Writing, ever. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, I mean, we haven't talked about best and worst episodes, but that was one of their best episodes. It was tight. And, but as we said, it was, it was at a time where they were saving all their money up and they were doing practically a black box episode. Yeah. Black uh, box theater is where, black you know, box you, theater where yeah. it's literally just nothing. There's literally just, you put some two, two chairs on a stage. That's your set. Go to work. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Star Trek, they call it a bottle episode. Because imagine the ship was, imagine the Enterprise was a ship in a bottle. You know, we can't go outside. We can't go yeah. anywhere. What's the episode now? And so they mm -hmm. call it a bottle episode in TV. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, it was, they were trying to save money and they're like, how can we do like a, the show Homicide style episode that is just about an interrogation mm -hmm. the way the show Homicide used to do. And they're like, okay, yeah. well. Um, Virgil Williams came up with a prem. It was Virgil Williams. No, no, no. Oh no, Jean no. It was Jeanine Sherman Barois from uh, Nails, right? Is, that, yeah. is it called Nails? Claws. Claws. I'm sorry. Claws. There you go. Uh, but yeah, of course it was Jeanine Sherman Barois. Uh, but yeah, and she did a fantastic job. Like just an amazing. It was. Job. It was a brilliant. It was a brilliant episode and it's a um, great script. dealing. And, but, and as we talked about then, and this goes to why racism is almost never acknowledged, she didn't even know that the connection to Strange Fruit. Seriously? Like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. She talks about it on... Um, the commentary? On commentary. Wow. That, that this got brought, somebody else brought this and said, well, why? she had a different title and stuff for it. And she's it. like, let's call it Strange Fruit. And why? Well, um, um, do you not okay. know what strange fruit is about? <laughs> well, no, but who knows if they don't listen to the blues, if they don't listen to Billie Holiday, you yeah. should, you should hear, um, Etta James do her version. Oh, geez. Anyway. And then there's, uh, the cornfields, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a fascinating thing that when you pull history, away from people when you pull music away from people all of a sudden they're left if everything is just today then you f don't know where anything comes from yeah and, that's and you what don't know the do. yeah and, and yeah, that's true and you don't know like what de debts are still being repaid 
Like in Europe, there's in Europe, like you sometimes get angry when you look at people still fighting over something that happened 500 years ago. Yeah. But the thing is, in a very real sense, we are where we are today, everybody, because of our history. And yeah. something that happened five year, 500 years ago can be unbelievably relevant. Because 500 years ago is when they started blink- bringing slaves to America. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Just a little. Just a few yeah. of them. Just a few of them, but that's mostly when they started. Because, mostly because the natives couldn't be slaves because they'd killed them all. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it's true. No, they disease, needed, no, it's true. Yeah, with, with disease. With disease and the with whole disease thing. disease and warring. Yeah, they needed, they needed a workforce so they wouldn't have to work, and so they brought slaves. They brought slaves from Africa. It was disgusting. But they did it. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that is the, you understand why the 1619 Project wants to make that the story of America, because it's like, all of America's wealth was built by slaves, and today, that slave, that slave class, right, the people who are the members of that slave class, are still being oppressed. And but and the thing is, it's not just the descendants of the slave class. It yeah. is anyone who comes over because Barack Obama, Obama was not a descendant of slaves because there was that big fight within the black community of whether he or not he was black enough. Because yeah. he was from Kenya. His yeah, father was his from dad, Kenya. Yeah, his dad was Kenyan and his mother's white. So how can he speak to the black American experience? Yeah. And the, the sad truth is, um, for the white people in America, it doesn't matter where and when the black people are from. They still get treated like black people. No, Unless like they were descendant of slaves. Yeah, they still and, got treated like American blacks. Unless they're cops. And I guess all Hispanics, all Hispanics except for Cuban Hispanics, are are actually descendants of Santa Ana. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, in America, they, if you are Hispanic, you will be treated. Baby Crockett. I know. No, in America, if you're Hispanic, unless someone knows you enough to know that you're Cuban, who have a special dispensation, because yeah. of, you know... Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> everyone gets treated like they're Mexican. It's absolutely disgusting. Because, like, yeah, and that's exactly it. It's because of the wars with yeah. Mexico. Yeah, and, because of the and, wars with Mexico. And it's not like the Mexicans weren't racist within their own structure, <laughs> because go talk to some of the mestizos. There's yeah. still racism within the Mexican subcultures. Yeah. And what they did to, anyway, you, you can go on and on and on. Because the point is that you wouldn't even think that it existed in America in no. criminal minds. Not really. And that's the point it's we're an making. Aberration. If you go to every other culture and there there tends to be this understanding that history is a, a living Value. part of everything we do today, but America wants to pretend that isn't the case and criminal minds is complete you know blind spot when it comes to race is a perfect example yeah, it, of it the way America likes to pretend this isn't a thing. Yeah, they made themselves, they became this country. It is their myth. Their creation yeah. myth is that they created themselves and they made themselves. And anything that happened any place else is irrelevant. Yeah. They it's... cut themselves. Yeah. And it's it is a bizarre sort of thing. Um and I don't know where it'll be a thousand or two thousand years from now, but um, you know, as we all know, if we have watched if we have watched um, Deep Space Nine, there was a third world war. <laughs> yes. 
and they had herded poor people into basically uh, camps. Yep. Essentially, every city would get a the poor part of town that the people without jobs or money weren't allowed to leave. Yeah, they weren't allowed to leave. Yeah, they just they were just herded into these places, and the rich people supposedly didn't know they existed. Yeah, and it had all of pretty these, upsetting because that's that's the I mean, and you could compare to to the Star Trek. Star Trek always dealt with racism of one sort or another. Oh, absolutely. In, in myth, you know, I mean, they would. It would be different countries. Metaphorical, of course. It was all but... metaphorical, but they were all talking about... It was a very political show. In oh, incredibly so political. Things. Yeah. Okay, so, um, let's, so yeah. let's go to the next Let's the next move to issue, our next giant also... blind spot in the world of criminal <laughs> minds. Is anybody gay? <laughs> Are there any gay people in the world of criminal minds? Yeah. <laughs> and this is a serious question. Are there? Yes. Are there? I mean, we, we, you know, um, from you, from our part, I mean, there were all sorts of people that were upset that at the end of Criminal Minds, we didn't find out that Reed was gay. Yeah. A I, lot of people had it, had their hearts set on him coming out at the end of Criminal Minds. And that would have been so nice. And we would have probably forgiven them a hell of a lot if they had. had they but just committed no. to that. No, no. No, we're not doing that one because there aren't any gay people in America except for the odd killer. Yeah. Uh, there is one episode of Criminal Minds. It might be one. We would have to check. Um, but. Uh, the gay couple it's, dog? Oh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> uh, no, no. I was going to say there's one episode of Criminal Minds, Sorry. like ever. And it might be directed by Matt Goobler, and he demanded this. I can't say for sure, because I would have to check which episode it was. I want to say it might be that... No, it's. I was going to say, is it the... Is it the episode with... Um, uh, with Brad Dourif? But maybe not. But the point is, they go to the coroner, and the coroner's a woman, and while they're having the scene, the coroner mentions her girlfriend. Yeah. Just in conversation. And I'm and it blew my mind yeah. to see it, it, it criminal was... minds casually admit the existence of gay people. Yeah, where have a gay person on the show without it being part of the plot that the the killer is a gay person. But she was a coroner. But she was a coroner, so she was weird anyway. Uh, but no, it's it's interesting because it's like, I mean, I don't know exactly where the episode is. We could just do a you know a search on my website to find it easily yeah. enough. But the point is. For now, it doesn't matter which episode it is. What matters is that it only happened once yeah, yeah. in the entire run of the show. I can't think of anybody who has a gay friend. Yep. Like, why doesn't Penelope have... Penelope She should, should be have. surrounded by gay men based because... on everything about her personality and, and the fact that she loves theater and hacking and kittens. She should have nothing but gay male friends. And the way she dresses herself. Of course, right? she the dresses, you know, thing. as if as if her life is a drag performance. Yeah, you know, she's a she's she's the perfect person. And I mean, I said this one day to to somebody. I said, yes, I said, but don't worry about it. I said, every woman should have a gay best friend. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and I, to to this man's credit, he kind of laughed. Right. Okay. Um, but. um and it was, 
I would, but you know, you just looking at it, looking at Penelope, as you yeah. say, you know, why doesn't she have? No. Yeah. You know, it's she can still be straight. Of course. <laughs> it doesn't matter that she's straight. It matter. It's weird that she doesn't have a ton of gay friends. It's legitimately weird that that character doesn't have a ton yeah. of gay friends. Particularly since she has apparently come out as bisexual in yeah. in in her personal real life. life. Yeah, right? in it real has, life. But it never came up in ever in the show. Nobody, not one of them. Yeah. Has a friend who is gay. Or a family member. Or a family member. No. Not one. I mean, Derek's got two sisters. Hotch has a brother. Um, trying to think. Does Luke have any family? Like, Penelope's got four brothers. Yeah. Or three brothers. Three or four Tara's brothers. Tara's got a brother. Tara's got a brother. Like, all these people uh, have family members. Penelope is an only child. No, she's not an not, only not child. Not Penelope. Uh, um... Uh, Prentice. Prentice. Prentice is an only child. Yeah, Prentice is an only child. Um, Again, why didn't Prentice come out as gay? Yeah, she could have come out as gay. That would have been fine. They wouldn't have heard anything. Prentice, because she can't keep a relationship going. Going, And maybe maybe she's finally begun to understand that that's because she doesn't really want to have a relationship with a man. There you go. It it could have worked. That could have worked. It would have explained a ton about Prentice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like it would have been, there's any number of opportunities. I mean, no, is David Rossi going to be gay? Of course not. No, (laughs) there's no way that was ever going to happen. No, but literally like any other of the characters you could have come out. Almost. Almost. Probably not JJ. Because you needed, you needed, yeah, not JJ. And you needed Luke to, 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 to end up with Penelope. Well, of course. Yeah. (laughs) At the end. So there you go. But it's like, I mean, we're talking about the original cast here. Of course, not Matt, who exists only to be the perfect husband and father. Yes, yes. But show yeah, us what it's really like. Yeah, to show it's what what, are, what an ideal relationship is. Yes. And what's so funny it's about it is... Relationship. <laughs> but it's like, they don't... But as you say, the only time someone is gay on the show is when it reflects, oh, well, he was gay, and he was abused because he was gay, and now he's a serial killer. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's it. It's the only time. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think, is there any other gay characters who aren't murderers or victims of murderers? Now, I wrote here, I wrote down here something, and I, it made perfectly good sense when I wrote it. Okay. Remember, I wrote up this whole list of things and stuff for us to kind of keep us on track. Yeah. And I wrote here, except for Junior. Dash and gayness, Dash the man's a saint. Oh, yeah, because there's the episode where it's like Junior is so good and so only sees the good in the world that when he finds out his partner was secretly gay, his reaction is, yeah, 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 because his reaction is, why didn't he feel he could tell me? I don't understand it. I thought we were so close. But it's like he's so saintly and so wonderful about everything that it doesn't even occur to him for a second that the man would have had problems being gay on the police force. Yeah. 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 That was it. That was it. Yeah. That was yeah. What And you were that's important of. because that is the, that is the. Only time they, ad- they admit that there could be problems in systems of authority with being gay. Other than you that, know? gay people don't exist. No. Except, you know, as I said, and except for that victims. couple with a dog. 
who were walking yes. in the park. <laughs> the one time the random people who spot a thing are, are a gay couple. <laughs> With a dog. With a dog. Well, no, but I mean, they had to have a dog because then otherwise there's nothing perverse about it. It's like gay people walking in a park holding hands. You're going to make America feel sick to their stomach. Gay people walking a cute dog. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's completely and fine. They weren't, and, and they weren't dressed funny. No, of course not. Right? They, none of them were. No, they were just standard, regular guys. Yeah, just regular guys. Yeah. No, and, <laughs> so and that's fine. There, I know plenty of gay people who are just regular, regular guys. That's regular not unusual girl. at all, but that's what America's more comfortable with. It, it, it is so strange. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. It is. It is even more like. At least every now and then they kind of acknowledge some kind of thing about racism, but LGBTQ, they might as well not exist as a group, period. Yeah. So is there nobody on that set gay? Well, obviously the DP was. Yeah, that was actually kind of an issue on the show. Yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 the violent workplace yeah. and the harassment is all the DP who is a man against his male subordinates yeah so you know he's a predator but he's a gay man and a predator so is yeah. that why this show doesn't have any gay people on it because he would never have accepted it god that would be weird I well mean, no i mean it's a question you have to ask now we yeah. would never if if that lawsuit had not come out we wouldn't be thinking or talking about this part of it at all yeah. no 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 we would never have we would have just it, it would have been much more of a Geez, that you know, like, are they that blinkered? What is this? You cannot yeah. even put this down to um, Erica Messer's idea that each show could be had to be self-integrated, self-contained, self-contained, yeah. and you can't even say this was the '80s or the '90s where you don't see it much. Yeah. Okay. Um, this show just finished mm -hmm. last year in 2020. Well, yeah. No, I mean it. Uh, yeah. yeah, it did. It just it's not, finished. It's like like there weren't gay people, and it wasn't like gay marriage hadn't become legal in the United States, and it wasn't like you yeah. know. <laughs> and gay, well, until like Donald halfway Trump. through the show's no, halfway through the show's run, there could have been a gay married. They could have been running into gay married couples all the time. Yeah. And you could have what had did we a get? whole episode about somebody who was killing married gay couples. Well, literally, we get one episode with a gay, a gay married couple ever, and it's about a jealous guy murdering everyone his boyfriend uh, talks to. Yeah. You know? Well, his husband talks to. I keep saying boyfriend. His husband talks husband to. Husband talks to. Yeah. Yeah, like, and that was terrible. I, You know, that's the only time you get it, right? Yeah. The only time. It's, it is a negative. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they understand that's what they were doing, but that's exactly what they were doing. Oh, yeah. And it's this, there is no attempt to normalize. No, because homosexual other shows, relationships. Other, other shows, shows just have casually gay people. Yeah, and There are gay people in the show. Right? Okay. <laughs> well, a lot of shows do. Another CBS show. <laughs> yeah. A lot of other shows sure. are uncomfortable having 
main characters are gay. Having, you know, all sorts of gay characters kicking around on a show without any trouble at all. And watch, well, all you have to do is watch Tommy. Tommy? Oh, oh, that's the new cop show. Oh, right, yeah, the show about the, yeah, with Edie Falco. Right, I forgot about that. Yeah, Edie Falco. Turns out she's gay. Oh. Yeah, she's a lesbian. Damn, that is a twist. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, because she's the the police chief of Los Angeles, is the parents, yeah. She's right? the police chief of Los Angeles, and then it caused some, because it did, and then you saw problems, right? Because her this woman that she had started to become involved with, um, was also was I think a district attorney or whatever. Anyway, yeah. and th- then there was some problems, and and uh, and it was because she leaked some stuff or she said some things she should have never said. You know, I mean, anyway, but yeah, yeah. I mean, so. But they're, they're acknowledging that. that there are gay people in the world and here are the obstacles they face in a professional setting like this, yeah. especially in a police setting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So and that's because she was trying to relevant. keep it low key, but it's why her marriage broke up. Yeah. There you go. But it's like that's living in the real world in a way that criminal minds just doesn't. Yeah. Like, um, I, I was thinking, for example, uh, we've often talked about my love of The Mentalist, and I think it's the best, probably pure cop show of this millennium so far. Like, it's one of the best detective shows there's ever been. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you're talking about, like, standard, just police procedural, you don't get a lot better than The Mentalist. And the thing about The Mentalist is, no, none of the main characters are gay, right? There's no recurring gay character on the show. And in this day and age, that seems a little weird. But at the same time, there are frequently casually gay people who they meet on the show. Like a person they talk to, a suspect, a person who gets killed, blah, blah. They'll they'll just be gay people on the show. And no one thinks of it as strange. No one reacts to it as, as it's in any way unusual or something that you just don't see every day in their line of work. Right? Yeah. Whereas in Criminal Minds, no, characters aren't largely being shocked or disbelieving when they run into gay people, but it's notable that they never run into gay people in non-murderous contexts. Mm. They just don't, they just don't, never meet any, anybody like you and I would meet going down to, down to the store. (laughs) Yeah. Just running into gay people in your day-to-day life. Yeah. Like gay people are not considered to be just a normal, completely unsurprising part of day to day life in the world of the criminal minds characters. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so jarring about it. Yeah. Because it's like we think, and I think everyone now lives at a point when they recognize, no, that's just a part of the norm. I mean, as long as you're not living in a place where it's illegal to be gay, which still exists. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say that's not still a problem, but living in North America. I'm not going to say that gays have won, right? Yeah. (laughs) They still face plenty of prejudice. Half of America, you can literally be fired for being gay. Like, it's not, it's not, they haven't won, but culturally, people now understand, even while religious nuts preach against them, everyone's day-to-day life, they understand there are gay people out there, and those gay people aren't going to have to hide that they're gay anymore. Well, and the funny thing is, in the U.S., the military themselves, like the yeah. upper echelons of the military, don't have a problem. In fact, they were very upset when Trump, of course, Started has... messing with the trans uh, ban. Yeah. yeah. And 
all those other things. Like it, it, no, if, if somebody, yeah, I mean, it just, well, let's it, not forget it, that the military actually, is historically a very gay institution. Okay. Uh, and I shouldn't say that about NCIS because they have, because they've been on for a long, long time. Right. So in, in the beginning, it's a one thing, but yeah, they've had the odd show, right. That basically talks because they are military police. Yeah. Right. And they have to deal sometimes with these issues. And it has come up, you know, people do have gay friends <laughs> mm-hmm. and and some of the issues in the military have come up about how difficult it is, yeah. um, to, particularly for women in the military, but for men as well. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, no, a fascinating thing is um, there there is in the army and the Navy, there is a history of of these gay subcultures within them. Because, you know, let's say you live in, uh, let's say you live in the middle of Indiana and you're a man and you're literally the only gay person you've ever met. Because there's no way to be out. Well, where do you go? I'll just go join that institution where I'm surrounded by other men and law of averages, I'm going to find at least a couple of gay people. And so you go and you join the military. Or you join the priesthood. Or you join the priesthood. Or, or... You go to New York City, those yeah. are, or San Francisco. The options are priesthood, military, New York, or San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> well, that's a whole other conversation. But it, it's fascinating the degree to which there are in these military institutions huge gay subcultures to the point where, and this is something I learned and it blew my mind. Um, I don't remember the name of the book. It's the the guy who wrote in the band played on about um the AIDS crisis, right? That guy, he wrote a book about the history of, you know, it's he wrote a book while Clinton was doing Don't Ask, Don't Tell about the history of gay people in the military. And apparently in the early 80s, like the Navy is was gay to such an extent that literally they were planning to put the Navy on strike until gay people were allowed in the military to openly serve in the military. They came within a month of putting the the entire Navy on strike at once. Because they're like, if the 40% of us who are gay all stop doing our jobs at once, the military, like the Navy ceases to exist. Yeah. And it was numbers that insanely high. We're talking like 40% of the Navy. The Navy is famously, because of stories about gay people in the Navy, that's where gay people are most likely to want to join. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah, and well, so, and remember, that's the one place where you're on a ship for months. Exactly. Like, it's it's integral to the, the character of the Navy that there is a partially homosexual institution. Like, that's just... Like like prisons. It's like prisons, yes. It's called... I mean, whether or not they're gay people, there's a thing called situational homosexuality in prisons yeah. and in historically all navies around the world. Right. That's just a thing that you can look into. But the point is, there were enough gay people in the Navy that they were going to shut down the whole Navy if they didn't get to, uh, you know, if they didn't get to serve openly. And essentially, the upper brass heard about it and they rounded up all the the ringleaders and they kicked all the ringleaders out of the military and they shut it down. You just like I said, a couple of months before it was supposed to happen. But that is how close they came. And that is when the military started saying we're going to have to stop, like, we're going to have to deal with this gay situation sooner rather than later. Yeah. 
because they almost had a military strike over this issue. And firing all the ringleaders didn't stop the dissatisfaction in the lower ranks. No. And just, like, less than a generation later, they got what they wanted, the ability to openly serve in the military. You know? First they got Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which is, you know, they're not going to interrogate you and try to figure out if you're gay anymore. And then soon after that, not soon enough, but soon after that, they did get the ability to openly serve in the military. Thank heavens. Well, yeah, and that's because, you know, I mean, it was, I mean, nobody seems to want to deal with the fact, like, I often think, if you look at spy novels yeah, and things like that, right, back in the day, I mean, that was one of the real problems. You certainly, you didn't want to have anyone who had a secret. Right. Because they could be blackmailed. Yeah. And being gay was bad in the Western society, so anybody who was gay shouldn't actually serve in any kind of a capacity. Yeah, because yeah. they would have a secret. If it came out, they would lose their job, and therefore they would have a vested interest in keeping their keeping secrets secret. covered up. Yeah. And um, it was always so stupid. But, I mean, let, let's look at Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> It's the same story there. I talk about, I, I mean, I, it's funny. I was just talking with my hairdresser about it this week. And we were talking and I said, yeah, look at Rock Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, but you had the huge studios that covered for them. Mm -hmm. And then we now have the book about the brothel for the stars. Yeah. Wow. The gay brothel for the stars. <sighs> yep. So they are not, you know, going around and kicking started, people, up, uh, picking people up in a, bars. Okay, started by a retired Navy guy. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. But yeah, it's like, and that's, I think, key to the story, which is there's always been this undercurrent of this, this having to be a secret, separate culture right underneath. Yeah. The regular culture. I mean, and it was in the military. It was in entertainment. It's throughout sports. I mean, I don't remember who it was that was like, yeah, dear people in the NFL, every dear people in the NFL, every one of you has played with a gay man in the locker room. 100%. You've all. Yeah. There's a gay man on every team. He, they yeah. don't, he doesn't tell you. But there's at least one gay man on every team. And it's it's the same thing. And I was just listening to one of the guys in, in hockey, too, right? It's, yeah. There's always these problems. And, yes, they don't come out because they hear how people talk about gay pe yeah, men. Of, Either yeah. men or women, even. Or women, yeah. But women aren't as... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's another. Well, no, but there is, a, and I mean, it's actually with, the reverse. There is the literally next. a whole other conversation we're going to talk about next time. That there is an assumption made by American culture that any woman in sports is gay. Yeah, and that, that's not true, but it's an assumption made that any woman who would want to do something as unwomanly as become a professional athlete, well, she must be attempting to be a man, and therefore a lesbian yeah. and it's disgusting that that's how people think yes. but that's how psychology actually thought until like 30 years ago yeah. well and that leads us into are we going to do one more topic uh no i think <laughs> now that i see that we're an hour and 50 minutes in we're gonna call it there yeah. on our conversations about the show's amazing inability to overlook racism and lgbtq issues 
And then we're going to come back hard next time with the big ones. Yes. And this, I, I could see this easily being an hour all to itself, which is misogyny and toxic masculinity. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a lot of conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that one's God. Just... It's, it's going to go deep. So... If you've been enjoying our breakdowns of Criminal Minds so far, uh, we hope you keep enjoying them. I think uh, join us back here next uh, Thursday for more of this. I don't know if we're still going to be doing uh, Sunday shows when this happens. Hopefully there's not a civil war going on. And we're giving you dispatches from that. So fingers crossed on that one. But I believe on Tuesdays you're listening to us talk about Korean Criminal Minds. If we've managed to get all of it, which it looks like we can, but, yep. uh, so on Tuesdays, you might be listening to us talk about Korean criminal minds right now, which is pretty exciting. Um, so if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you'd like to offer your thoughts on some of the themes of criminal minds, please drop us a line at profile, profiling criminal minds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and we will see you back here next week for criminal minds hates women. <laughs> and <laughs> honestly, isn't too great with men either. Yep. We'll see you back here for that. But until then, I'm going to say au revoir. And have a good weekend. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.